0: You and your promotional needs. WSTN DB HD1, Atlanta, Charlotte, a situations media station. Good morning. It's the top of the hour. Time to make your morning's
1: move with the morning machine on 102.6, The Situation.
0: Yeah, you know what's going on. It is two minutes, two minutes past the hour, the morning machine, the machine that makes your morning's move. As you, you know, who I am, I'm the Green Machine and the Rev, Reverend PJ is on the scene over here the intern is in the building what's going on family good morning good morning good, and good morning,
2: morning. To, to the 102.6 family
0: yes absolutely what a sunrise we have over here watching this rise over the beautiful grounds the sacred grounds the grounds of Morris Brown College on a homecoming week not a cloud in the sky not how a you cloud, feeling bro
2: not a cloud in the sky it feels very very good man good but to a be chill. here. it's a little chilly but yeah. you know Always got to start your morning off smooth, man.
0: Absolutely. And nothing could be more smooth than our guest this morning. Now, our guest this morning is a phenomenal author. And I mean, this guy is originally from the city of LA LA. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but also, listen, he has quite a journey. He has a story. Man. I can't wait for y'all to hear this story, but speaking of stories, hey, look, he got, speaking of stories, he's writing novels right now. Man, what? That's what I'm talking about. Like, he's got a novel out right now called Loyal to a Fault, and look, we ain't going to fault nobody, but what we will do is we're going to go ahead and bring in the one and the only author Oh, Mar. Scott, good morning. Good
1: morning, fellas, man. I like that intro. Appreciate that.
0: Hey, hey look, hey, look course, I've been, course, I've, been on. I've been tapped as a professional introducer before, so I already know what the vibe is. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I like it, man. You don't get your Steve Harvey going on. Like absolutely. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and uh, thank you so much for being on this morning and uh, before I even start the interview this morning I want to also send a a good shout out to uh, Dove Bennett who got this all together this morning thank you so much we really appreciate you and um, let's go ahead and take it back to the old school let's take it to Union Square I always like to start off with the journey so I understood that you have You've you've went through a lot of this learning experience called life. Let's take it back to L.A. Who were the pillars of the community that you looked to growing up before the story begins?
1: Well, uh, you know, let me start all the way from the beginning here because, uh, you know, my mother's from New York and my father's from uh, rural Louisiana. You know, I'm from Los Angeles, of course, you know. Pasadena, to be exact, and you know, we moved actually to uh, Dallas. You know, in the early eighties, when I was still a little kid and stuff like that. So, um, more of the pillars of my community in Dallas. You know, we've been like Tom Joyner, you know, Dwayne Dancer, Ushay, right. people like that. You know, in radio and and uh, you know those kind of people. Yeah.
2: Okay, could you say that the pillars um, that have motivated you have made you into the man that you are right now?
1: Uh, well, I I guess you know for me, you know, I'm a uh, I read a lot of biographies, right?
2: Right, right.
1: And you know, one of the people that I had always admired most and I had was drawn to when I was a kid, man, was Malcolm X. You know, I'm not a Muslim, but I like the fact you know that you know he went through his struggles, um, and he overcame them. He had to accept accountability. He turned his life around, and he moved on, you know. And, and that's a story man that I can really identify with myself.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So um, when I look, this is, this is pretty tough. You, you, you were trying to make peace with a certain situation. Which it says growing mm-hmm. up in a single parent household, right? So you you right. were you, you turned to the streets and gangs to make peace with the situ with the situation and mm-hmm. there was a robbery that went down that you know basically also the, there's an accident that happened. So many things have happened in your life and mm-hmm. you you turn You turned to the streets, but what did you learn out of those experiences in the streets that led you to where you are right now doing all of these uh, phenomenal books?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, you know, like I said, we moved to Dallas. You know, parents wanted to start a business, and, uh, and when I was about eight, my folks got divorced, and we moved around a lot, you know. And so, being from L.A. and living in Dallas, you know, you got a different accent, you dress different, kids tend to make fun of you and stuff like that, right? And so, you know, in those younger years, you know, I spent them trying to always kind of fit in, you know, and just doing, you know, just crazy stuff to try to fit in. Like, i give you an example. Uh, I had, um, we lived in uh, West Oak Cliff, which is kind of like, you know, the hood of Dallas. Right. And... I had some uh, money in my pocket. My my father, I think, or or me or my mother had gave me a little change. And I was hanging around some friends of mine, you know, some hardheads, whatever. We walk into a store, and they're stealing because they ain't got no money. And so for me to try to fit in with them, I do the same. But I get caught, right? (laughs) I get caught, get the worst woman I ever had, and – and so i I spent all those years, man, you know, just trying to fit in, try you know, you know not and I was like I said, we've moved around so much so I always had to make new friends, live in different areas, and you know, it forced me, you know, to be more personable, but it also for it also I think affected me in the fact that you know i'm I'm trying to fit in with other people, I'm trying to do things, and then so i'm I'm making wrong decisions and i'm I'm hanging out guys I shouldn't be, and, you know, I'm getting caught up in doing things
2: that I should, you know. Right, right. I I, can't, mm-hmm. I can can I definitely understand um, where you're coming from on, on that aspect. So when you were, you know, talking about, you know, at that young age, you were just trying to fit in, like, when you finally realized, like, fitting in wasn't, you know, wasn't cool anymore, It wasn't the move anymore, what did you really, like, what did you do to change your aspect on life?
1: well all right so you know i I'm you know i'm'm I'm, I got a crew that I'm hanging out with you know all through high school and uh you know we on the streets and you know we making moves and stuff like that and we do we do something you know we, we break the law man you know we uh we steal some stuff and after that fact, I got burned i had, I had a serious burn you know i, mean, I, I uh I smoked some weed. I opened the hood of my car, man, and didn't realize that the radiator was, you know, just piping hot. And I took the top off, man, and that all that radiator, all that radiator fluid just went on my chest, my arms, and I had second and third degree burns. Oh man! Yeah, and, and it was only there. It was only at that particular time, man, when my life just kind of came to a grinding halt and I really had a chance to really think about things and think about my actions, think about where I was going. I was like, uh, 17 at the time. And, um, I just had that, you know, that, you know, what alcohol is called that moment of clarity, you know what I mean? Where, where, you know what I, I can't, I can't go down this road. I got to change. And for me, the, the biggest thing was, you know, just kind of separating myself from that life, you know, I just couldn't have those kind of friends no more. I couldn't hang out like that no more. I just completely disassociated myself from that, you know. I went back to school, uh, you know, went to college and, you know, just turned things completely around, you know.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So let me ask this question because you transitioned from that life to now – the author life and you have several inspirations um i mean we could name a few here like donald goynes uh sister soldier eric jerome dickey to name a few but what was it about their style of writing that was the inspiration for you uh
1: you know what uh each one, you know, gave me a little piece, um, you know, like, like say, uh, uh, Sister Soldier wrote Coldest Winter Ever. Right. First book I ever bought as an adult, right, of, of that kind of theme, man. And when I read it, it just reminded me of something, you know, of, of the things I went through and how I felt about it, you know what I mean? And how I was dealing with these situations and my friends and my loyalties and stuff like that. And then uh, I read Donald Gawin's, uh White Man's Justice, Black Man's Grief, you know, and, and it just it, that reminded me a lot uh, of, of my story. You know, uh, I had a I had a really good friend of mine, you know, when I was uh, when I was I met him in junior high. Uh-huh. Good guy, man. You know, I mean, we were both straight A students, man. You know, we started out. Uh, you know, playing uh, sports, you we know, on football team, the basketball team, and you know my, my my man, you know he had unlimited potential. Both parents in the house, right? Right. And at the age of 21, he took his last breath, hiding under a car, man, after being shot several times in a drug deal that went wrong. And and so I I, I always carry that with me. And when I when I read Donald Goins, and when I read Sister Soldier. It just brought those things up to me. And then when I've seen those books, I was just surprised that, you know, that you had that type of writing, you know, in a book and that people were willing to buy it and willing to read it, you know, and, and tell their stories in these, and and give emotion to the streets like that. You know what I mean? It, it just uh, it really, you know, just empowered me like that.
0: You know, that leads me to ask you, just real quick, that leads me to ask you, um. now that you're writing and I know you have your latest book now but what was it like to finally write and publish your first book what was that feeling like after going through all that you went through the feeling of being able to accomplish the publishing of your first book what was that moment like for you
1: uh, I mean, it's it's phenomenal, man. It, it would be hard for me to put in the words, you know, um, because, you know, you know, writing is such a, a personal thing, you know.
0: Right. And,
1: and so to put that, you know, for me anyway, writing is very personal, you know, and so I put a little bit of myself in every story that I tell, you know, and so or a little bit of my experience, you know, my, my emotions, you know, or things I've been through, the characters that I know, and so for me to put that in into that story, you know, and of course, writing a book, you know, nobody holds your hand, you know, it's just really self-motivating. So you really got to be, it's really something that you're very passionate about, and I was. And so to have that come to fruition like that, man, you know, it was just, uh, it, was, it was a magical moment for me, you know, man. It was just, you know, a life culminating, you know, it was, it was very therapeutic as well. hmm
0: Yeah. Therapeutic is where it's at. Um, You know, it's always a beautiful thing when, you know, literary works can be very therapeutic to the reader. I definitely agree. I definitely agree.
2: So um, which brings me to my question. So, um, you know, when you were writing your when you were writing your book and you were talking about, you know, things that occurred throughout your life and everything, how how did that all fall into into how did that all f- fall into a single not even a single thought, but a thought to process everything onto a page and allow readers to experience your story that you have endured so they can see what you've been through?
1: Yeah, you know um, you know man when, when I went to uh well, I was in school and stuff, you know, especially you know high school, I you know history, and English, man, were my two best subjects, right? You know, but of course, you know the, the reading that we do in English back then, you know, was you know uh, *Moby Dick*, *Old Yellow*, Shakespeare, stuff like that. It wasn't, uh, you know, these urban fiction books that that are out now. And so, you know, back then, I always had a, you know, a very vivid imagination, even before I, you know, was talking about street stuff. You know, I, I always had that imagination. I always daydreamed about stuff, and always was, you know, a, a very free and very deep thinker, you know? And so as I'm sitting back, you know, and I'm inspired by different people and different scenarios and, and things like that, and, you know, it just gets my, uh, my creative juices going, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking about it. I'm seeing things, you know, uh, and it, it just makes me think, man, you know, that, that would be, you know, like a great idea for a story, you know, and I know, and I've, I've known different people and I might take a character or a person that I've known in the past, a piece of them to put in a book, and you know, and 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 just create a you know a whole different world, you know, a different experience. And usually, when I go into a book, you know, I have a you know a theme, you know, something that I'm trying to you know to accomplish that I would like the reader, you know, to really see and and understand my vision of what it is I'm trying to relay, you know, because I you know I like to write and tell good stories, but also you know want to teach a lesson you know most of my most my my books are cautionary tales and so you know that's a bit of my process there
2: so speaking of um giving the readers you know a like a uh perspective on your story what if you had to leave your um your readers with a story that you know gave a great perspective on everything that you've written on or or thought about writing
1: what would it be somebody like as far as like the book goes
2: yes as far as the book goes
1: uh well i guess just like i said you know um that these are cautionary tales you know i mean i i i, I tell these crime stories these street stories you know what i mean but i i don't do them as you know that i'm you know trying to glorify these things right here i'm i'm doing it to show the pitfalls you know and, and that's the type of thing that I want people to, to come away from, man. You know, I, I was just, uh, I just seen a, uh, it may have been a, a reels, maybe a TikTok video, and Ice T was on the, uh, the view, you know, and it was yeah, interviewing it. And they, and he, he made a, a, a very profound statement, man, that really kind of stuck with me, man, because he's like, we all are one decision away from wrecking our lives. Wow. He, and he's like, you, you know, you can just make one bad move one bad choice, and all the hard work you did, all the, the praying and the suffering and the sacrifices, it all goes right out the window because you made one bad move, you got in the car too drunk, or you, you, you said the wrong thing to the wrong person and led to some tragic events, and now you got to deal with these consequences. And and so those are the type of things, you know, that I would love the readers to come away with when reading, you know, my work
2: fiction.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I feel that they are going to do just that, is uh, because you from your first work, uh, "Trouble Waters," way back in two thousand eight, yep. and then three additional books. Uh, can could you tell me the titles of those three additional books? By the way, well, the
1: uh... yeah, sure thing. Yeah, go ahead. Sure thing. Uh, the 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 first one was uh, "When a Will Goes Bad." Uh
0: huh.
1: And then the next was the Hands of Love, and then uh, Meet Mister Wright, and then of course the Loyal to a Fault, which will be coming out on October 17th.
0: Ah, so so it's not out yet. It'll be out October 17th. We're going we're going to repeat that at the end of the interview this morning because I want to talk about Loyal to a Fault. First of all, the title's phenomenal. Makes you want to dig in and read it because people can relate to loyal to a fault people can relate mm-hmm. to this and of course it shows that we are meeting Dez a promising DEA agent that works his way off the streets of is Brooklyn in the house New York to a plain plainclothes position oh, yeah. as a member <laughs> of the Manhattan DEA division but then of course dearest friend member of his team Lance gunned down during an investigation but Dez Nah, you're going to stop at nothing and break all the rules. Uh-oh, I'm going to ask you about that. Let me be, keep listeners take note. I said break all the rules to find the killer El Cazador. Now, the, the break all the rules thing. Now, we've seen this on TV, but from a reader's perspective, it's way different. Can you expound on that? break all the rules ordeal because we've we've seen movies like John Q uh, the phenomenal Denzel Washington breaking all the rules to make sure his son had care you see what I mean and mm-hmm. you know he, we've seen several movies of that nature but to the reader's imagination it could be a totally different thing so could you expound on the break all the rules in this store this plot that thickens.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no no doubt about it. I mean, you know, uh, my man, Dez, you know, of course, like you just mentioned, uh, he works for the DEA. His partner is killed in an undercover operation. And, you know, he's consumed with guilt, you know, because he feels responsible for it. And so now, you know, that he throws out all the rules because he's not following procedures. He's not listening to his supervisors. He's not even listening to his friends. You know, he's focused on one thing and one thing only, which is revenge. And revenge at any cost. You know, and, and it's, and it, it's going to wind up costing him, you know. And mm-hmm. and so he breaks the rules of, you know, fairness, the rules of law. And, you know, the, the rules of the streets, and all these things, you know, culminate throughout the book as he's in pursuit of this mysterious cartel leader that's responsible for, you know, his friend's killing, even breaking the rules of getting involved with a potential witness, you know? So yeah, quite a few things.
0: So let me, so let me ask you this, right? Have you, you have such phenomenal literary works here, And you still continue to do all of this. And it's so descriptive and so captivating to the reader's eye. And even if it it becomes an audio book, the listening ear as well, no matter what, it's almost like you you have to get in movie mode when speaking or reading your works. You ever thought about. Taking it to a movie or taking it to a TV series or anything like that, because we've seen phenomenal works of literature turn into movies. Have you ever thought about that? Has that thought crossed your mind at any point?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it has. Uh, you know, matter of fact, I I I did a another interview with a magazine the other day, and it it asked it actually asked me for this particular movie. I mean, for this particular book, Lawful to a Fault*. Uh, who would I want to play dead? And his uh, antagonist, Chops, from the Bronx, who would I get to play him? And then the female, because this this book is a love triangle. Uh, The female's Pia, who would I get to play her, right? And, you know, so I'm I'm thinking about it, and I can always visualize these things when I'm writing, you know. That's part of my process, too. You know, I can kind of almost see the story unfold in front of me like it's a movie screen. And so, like, I could see uh, Michael Ealy playing Dez. I think, you know, I I didn't envision that when I wrote the character.
2: But (laughs) when I see
1: how his acting skills and stuff is, I could, like, man, I I could see him playing this dude. You know, he's got that kind of depth, that kind of emotional, that kind of, uh, you know, vulnerability. And but also that kind of anger that he could could fuel that character, right? You know, and then with the female lead, P.S., he's like half black, half uh half Hispanic, I could see uh, Zoe Saldana playing her, you know, uh, you know, from Drumline, where you, I could see you out there in Atlanta right now. Uh, I could see her playing her, you know, man, she's kind you know, she has that ability to be serious, man, you know, she could bring light to that character on screen. And and then, uh, you know, Chops from, from the Bronx, you know, um, I could see, you know, Yeah, maybe like a Morris Chestnut, somebody, that type of guy, you know, a guy, a kind of guy that got like, you know, a lot of uh, fire to him. Right. A lot of passion, but could still be smooth at the same time because my character has that element about him. You know, he's smooth, he's, you know, very, uh, you know, articulate and, you know, very charismatic, but he's also very dangerous, you know, and a killer. And I see, I could see dudes like that playing him. So I'm like, man, you know, yeah, I can definitely see uh, film at adaptations for, you know, this book and, and the other ones. You know, I've had people reach out to me about it. But, you know, unfortunately, I'm not a I'm a I'm a novelist. I'm not a screenwriter. So, I mean, that a, it's a, a, a different, you know, skill set. But if I could ever, you know, get with somebody that can make that happen, I mean, I'm definitely open to it.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Well, we look forward to seeing that sometime down the road in movie theaters. Just when you do that, you got to invite us out to the movie premiere. All right. So we're we going to be no right doubt, there with no you. Doubt, all right. <laughs> one, one more question yeah, no real, doubt, real quick. So what you you've been through this learning experience called life, and now you're here at a point of triumph and success. To the young folks out there, students around at Morris Brown students and all the HBCUs all over the world, what would be the most inspiring quote that you would have for someone that's going through the same life you went through, if not worse right now, to get them through it all?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, man, that, that with each date, you can always, you know, overcome things, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I don't like about this council culture right now. And like I told you before, when you asked me about who one of my inspiration was, and I told you Malcolm X, you know, we are one bad decision away from making things happen, but you still have an opportunity, you know, to make it right, man. You know, when you, when you get up that next day, when you go out into this world, man, you still have nothing but opportunities in front of you, you know, if you know yourself and you be true to yourself, man, you know, and believe in who you are and don't look for validation from others. And and those were some of the pitfalls that that I went through as a younger guy, you know, is, you know, to to trust who you are, trust your talent trust your instincts, you know, don't look for validation from others and be be true to yourself, you know. And, And I think if you do those things, that with hard work and sacrifice and, and, and effort, I think you can accomplish anything that you want.
0: That's facts. Most That's definitely facts. most definitely. Yeah. So so in the meantime, uh, look, Loyal to a fault. Um, that first of all, it's gonna be a phenomenal book. You said out October seventeenth, is that correct?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, it will sure will be.
0: And where can everybody find you, follow you, connect? But most importantly, when it comes out, buy your book.
1: Yeah. Um, so anybody can follow me, you know, on Facebook. You know, facebook slash novels backslash novels by Omar. Uh, you can follow me there. Uh, you can always DM me, man. If you do, I will respond back. You know, any. Any uh, any book club or anybody that wants to come and connect with me would like me to come and talk to their group. You know, I'd be more than willing to happen to do it, man. I I love reaching out to fans, and I'm very accommodating in that way. Um, You can always check me out on my uh, my Amazon page, Amazon.com backslash Arthur backslash Omar Scott. You know, and you can see all my titles there. And uh, you know, for those hardcore readers, you can go to Goodreads.com slash, backslash, uh, Arthur Omar Scott. You can find me there as well. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, drop me a line, you inbox me. I'll respond back. Love to hear from people, man. And, and, you know, don't be afraid to always drop a review on, on any of the books, you know, that, that you, that you have opportunity to read.
0: Hey, PJ, you know them uh, reviews are important, ain't they? Yeah. Oh, they're definitely
1: important. <laughs> they're definitely important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gotta oh, keep yeah, them yeah. reviews in line, you know what I mean? Because uh, Loyal to a Fault is going to be that one that you like. It's definitely hey, going to be a that minute. one. i seen this. I I, I think I read this story. That's what you say about power. That's what you say about how to get away with murder. That's what you say about scandal. A lot of these were books. And he next up. Mm-hmm. He next up. He next up. up. I'm telling you it, it yeah. as descriptive as it sounds, hey look, I'm here for all of it, ain't you?
2: me too, you yeah. know you know, I just feel like you know we yeah. we just interviewed a a very phenomenal a very phenomenal author and a great writer,
0: yeah, absolutely, I agree, I agree, and it's nothing but up from here, but I wanna also you know just take the time to say. You you know, just how blessed you are, because a lot of people don't make it out of the situation that you came out of. A lot of people, especially in the city of L.A., and there's a lot of tough cities around. And but there's a way you're the epitome of letting people know all around the world that there's another life and you can turn it around no matter what. If you want to turn it around, you can. If you have the mindset to turn it around, you can. If you have the passion to turn it around, you can. And you did it. So I want to, uh, you know, give you your flowers right now. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, like I said, I why I tell you, any of those college students, man, follow your dreams. Do something that you're passionate about. Trust your talent, you know. And you made mistakes in the past, but those mistakes don't have to define you for the rest of your life.
0: Most mm, that's Most what, I'm, that's, that's what, what I'm talking think. about. Talk to him. Talk to him. Yeah. Omar Scott, author Omar <laughs> Scott, once again, thank you so much for being on The Morning Machine. Once again, special thank you to Dove Bennett who put this uh, all together for us. Thank you so much, Queen. really appreciate you. And uh, you, oh, Mr. Scott, we're going to talk to you really soon because I know there's gonna be some kind of movie premiere coming soon that we're gonna to need to take You it, know what I'm right? Ready for it. <laughs> Speaking it into oh, existence, yeah, brother, my brother. Man.
1: Y'all gonna be in the house, man.
0: Oh yeah. Yes sir. Absolutely looking forward yeah, yeah. to it, King. All right. Well uh thank you so much for being on the Morning Machine this morning and uh we really appreciate you. Thank you, man.
1: Yeah man I appreciate you man guys for having me on man. You know, much love. Thanks.
0: Much love, thank you so much. And once again, it is thirty-three minutes, thirty-three minutes past the hour. This morning machine, the machine that makes your mornings move live on the yard, watching the sunrise over the campus of Morris Brown College, fully accredited. By the way, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Absolutely not. Ain't no way. Ain't no room for it.
2: Ain't no room for it.
0: Exactly. In the meantime, between time, we're going to take a break. We're going to get into this groove and uh, got another special guest when we come back. Once again, now 34 minutes worldwide past the hour. Woo! To the morning machine on 102.6 The situation the best gospel hits around. So you can get your praise on the Sunday praise party Sundays at 6 a.m. On 102.6, the situation. Hey, Omar, thank you so podcast, much. Really appreciate for you. for
1: home to record your podcast. Well, well yeah, yeah, questions. man. Thank you, man.